Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. Hey, everybody. Happy 4th of July. I hope that uh, this 4th of July is going to be amazing for you. I wanted to reshare an episode with you that I really enjoyed putting together and that was really in, instructive for me. And I think it'll be instructive for you as you work to overcome pornography, even when shame is a part of that equation. This uh, this is one of my favorite episodes, and I thought I would share it with you. And I, pro- and I know this is the second episode in a row that uh, that I've given you a rerun, but I think both these episodes, the one with John Layton, where he is sharing the success and the reality of his story with you is beautiful. And I think this is a really great one to jump off from that moment where, oh, you see, oh, it's possible. Now what do I do? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to this episode, and then I want you to go set up either a consult with me or join the membership. And start the process of eliminating pornography from your life. All right, my friends, I promise next week I'll have a brand new episode for you. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this one, and I love you guys, and I will see you next week. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery -Mastery Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. Today we're joined by Darcy. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. You had a good week last week? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You think? Yeah, for sure. She's holding back from you guys. It's really it's really not nice of her to do that, but I'm going to tell you the secret. <laughs> the secret is we bought a house in St. George uh, because of some extraordinary and wonderful, amazing blessings that, that are part of our lives, namely our old neighbors, who are just some of the most extraordinary people that we know. And they said, hey, do you want to buy our house? And we said, yeah. So we're moving back to St. George. We are way excited. We're 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 super excited. Like it's, way more excited than most people probably would be. Yeah, but. yeah, it's good. We're literally moving one house down from where we used to live, so we're super excited about it. It's actually it's our one house up. Oh, it is one house up the hill from where we used to live. So we're really excited about it. We're glad that we're going to be back in St. George. We have missed it. We are excited for sixty-five degree weather and in the winter sun, and lots sunshine. of sun. And, and hopefully, views. and hopefully, some live events. Yes, and we're super excited to have some live events. So, if you want to come to a live event, do me a favor: go sign up for the Mastery Monday. You will then get on our emailing list, and you will get notified when that live event is planned. And if you, you know, want to shoot me a note and say, "Hey, I'd love to come to a live event," do that. I'd love to hear from you. Want to know exactly what you'd love to do because. We would love to cater to that. We'd love to make it something that you are really going to enjoy when you come down to Southern Utah because it is amazing there. I, I told you guys last year that I did a man trip there, repelling. It was amazing. You, I think that's definitely on my list. All right. This week, what are we going to talk about? 
Eliminating shame. Shame, shame, shame. So this week on the membership, one of the members was talking about the question that another member had asked during a previous session. And the man I was coaching, he he literally said this. He's like, when that guy asked that question, it was as if he had been reading my own mind. This is kind of the amazingness that comes from being part of the membership. So if you are not part of the membership, go to zachspafford.com and join the membership. You get to hear the questions that you didn't even know how to ask, ask for you. And then you get to hear the answers. And we'd love to have you there. And as part of the coaching that I do, I, we, we often talk about shame and how to manage and deal with it. Do you pretty much talk about shame all the time with your clients, Dars? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much all the time. The question we're talking about was you know, part of this discussion about minimizing shame in our lives. And the question was this, what is a good way to not let myself feel so much shame when I act on my urges? So I think first off, we want to really kind of figure out, well, what is shame, right? What are we talking about and why we feel shame? So I think knowing what shame is gives us kind of some ammunition that we need to actually end it. Shame is often contrasted with guilt. The thing about guilt is that it can be a powerful catalyst for change. Guilt, in my mind anyway, is about learning that what you've done is not what you would like to have done had you been able to, or had you you know, worked through the process of getting to a place where you might make a different choice. Right? Guilt comes when we understand that what we've done is not right for us. Right? It's when I do something that's not right for me. Guilt comes when I've acted incorrectly based on my own sense of right and wrong and according to my agency within the framework of the truths that I hold dear to me. As Brene Brown puts it, guilt is I did something bad. Shame, on the other hand, is not about a behavior. It's about our own sense of who we are. Shame comes when I believe that what I've done makes me bad, irredeemable, and really unacceptable. Shame comes when I've acted contrary to my framework of truth, knowing that I am discarding my own sense of what's right and wrong and feel incapable of exercising my own agency. So again, we go back to Brene Brown. She, she, you know, makes it so succinct and so easy for us to understand. She says, shame is I am bad. So let's go back to that question that we asked at the beginning. What is a good way to not let myself feel so much shame when I act on my urges? So what we've done is we've put together three things that you need to do to eliminate shame when you've acted on urges that really don't fit your idea of who you want to be and who you are trying to be in your life, right? So the very first thing that you need to do is decide that this is an opportunity to learn. Yeah, it's really, for me, it's really about having a growth mindset. Yeah, whenever you are engaged in an activity that you would say is morally contrary to who you want to be, this is a moment to just take a step back and start to ask some questions and start to understand, well, why am I here? Why am I engaged in this activity? What is my brain telling me in these moments? And if you go back to the episode about what your brain tells you, the lies that your brain tells you, you'll start to see some of those, I think some of those thoughts creep up into you know, what activity you're engaging with. So if it's pornography or if it's overeating or if it's, uh, you know, excessive shopping, it's the, I deserve this, that sort of language is going to start to come into your, into your 
you know, periphery. And, you know, we have a workbook on this, learn something and move forward that we use with all of our clients, whether it's in the membership or in the private coaching. And every time they use a behavior like pornography or overeating, and it's not something that they are proactively choosing, right? So they're, they're saying it's not part of my planned ahead act actions, right? It's not part of my activity that I have planned. They need to go back and use that workbook to learn what's happening so they can figure out why am I acting this way? Why have I chosen this behavior? And one of the things that we actually ask within that workbook is what did I choose and why did I choose it? And, you know, did I resist or was I just reacting? Was I following my protocols? That sort of thing. Learn something and move forward is about getting yourself to a place where you are understanding what exactly happened. This opportunity to learn from your behavior is the exact same thing that we do as people when we're learning everything we do. So I like to I like to liken this to chopsticks. Do you remember the first time we ever went on a date? I do. Do you really? What did we eat? We were at the mall and we were eating Chinese food. We were at the Gurney Mills Mall in northern Illinois. At, and I was like, oh, I want some Chinese food from the food court. Yeah, and we, we bought a dish and we shared it. Mm-hmm. And, and you got chopsticks. And I was like, here, use some chopsticks. And what did you say? I've never <laughs> used chopsticks and I don't know how to use them. She has no idea how to use chopsticks to this day. But I love using chopsticks. But... No one would, you know, if you were sitting down to eat a meal with someone and you were like, hey, here's some chopsticks, but this is the only utensil we have, I don't think you would feel ashamed when you find out you're not very good at it. Now, you don't use chopsticks because there are forks. Yeah. But I think there are some people who, you know, they go into that chopstick moment and they're like, ah! Well, when we were on our first date, I was... I was really embarrassed that I didn't know how to use chopsticks. Were you really? Yeah, because I didn't really know you, and I'm like, here I am, you're like a professional chopstick user, and I did not know how to eat. I have this rule in my mind that you have to eat Chinese food with chopsticks. Yeah, and I I was like, I am not measuring up here. (laughs) I I cannot measure up to this guy's standards of eating Chinese food. Apparently not. Because I need a fork. Right, so if you had to learn how to use chopsticks, you wouldn't beat yourself up when the food falls. You wouldn't freak out when you can't get enough rice on, you know, with your chopsticks to feel like you're actually getting a bite. You wouldn't tell yourself you're a terrible human because you can't use chopsticks. And part of the process of learning how to deal with pornography use is learning how to deal with your emotions and learning from the process of learning how to deal with your emotions, just like learning how to use chopsticks, you're going to have to try it. You're going to have to get them out. You might have to have somebody help you learn how, like, you know, where to put them in your hands. Did I, did I try to teach you? Oh yeah. You've, you've (laughs) tried to teach me so many times. I still cannot figure it out. Why would I do this? Our son can do it really well. One of our sons. And he's like a pro and I always watch him and go, wow, how do you do that? Which one? Brody. Oh yeah. He does like chopsticks. Right? So this is the same thing here. Just just think of it like chopsticks. You are learning to deal with your emotions, and it's just like learning to use chopsticks. You don't have to feel bad about it at all, in the least. You just need to recognize that this is an opportunity to learn. Okay. The second thing that you're going to need to do to eliminate shame when you've acted on your urges is talk to someone that you trust. And 
I think this is so important. Now, does this mean that you are that the person that you trust is your spouse? Not always. And I want to stress that I think it's important to be honest with your spouse, but I also don't necessarily think that that person is always well suited to be uh, what some people would call an accountability person, an accountability partner. I don't necessarily agree with that whole setup. That's very much addiction model conversation. But basically what I'm saying here is when you can have an open conversation with, about this with someone who's not your bishop, who's not your spouse, and that doesn't necessarily have this problem, then that's a moment where you're creating intimacy. And you know, this is something that happened, and I've ta- we've talked about this on the podcast before, where Darcy would just tell people who weren't involved in any of those spaces in our lives. You know, it wasn't the bishop. It wasn't somebody from the 12-step group that I was working with. She would just tell our friends. And what I want you to recognize is that this is something that, you know, when you have friends that you can tell this to, it opens up this intimacy in your life that allows people to know who you are and for you to hear them tell you that they love you. And I think that that's extraordinarily important. And I think that this is something you get to practice. So why did you tell people about this? Like, what was it for you? For me, I just felt like I was more authentic. You know, I was struggling in, in those early years. I really I struggled a lot with it. It was really hard for me to, quote unquote, fake it, you know, like I, if I was feeling down, I wanted to be able to open up and connect with my girlfriends that were close to me. And I mean, it wasn't like the whole world, right? I had, you know, a handful of people that I felt safe with that I could open up about the struggle in my life. And for me, it, it was great. Like I felt like you know, no, none of them treated Zach any differently. None of them treated me I think they treated me differently, but it was a positive, right? It wasn't that they ostracized us. They didn't, like, say, hey, you're, we're scared of you now. Yeah, I, I guess, yes, yes, I, I guess you're right. They, they treated you differently in the sense that when I wasn't around, they would reach out to you and invite you for dinner and stuff. We've talked about that before. Um, but, yeah, as far as, like for the husband to be able to talk to someone, I think it's really helpful to them to be able to eliminate some of that shame because when they talk to someone that they trust and they open up and that person still loves them and still values them as a human and doesn't think any less of them, then that, I think, reinforces the idea that you are worthy. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, sometimes I think the narrative that we have uh, around pornography within, especially within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but, you know, within religious circles in general is this is going to destroy you. And then we we tend to try to, like, not talk about it because we think that people are going to treat us as though we're damaged goods. And I don't find that to be, I don't find that to be the truth. I, I really do find that people not only empathize with you, but they're, they're probably someone who's struggling with this as well. And so that creates an opportunity for open dialogue. And this is a practice that we have to have. We have to be willing to say it out loud. And that can be pretty hard. I remember once saying it during elders quorum 
before I had a lot of, you know, you know, sobriety, I don't want to say the word sobriety, before I had a lot of space between skill, before I had a lot of skill in dealing with this, I had this conversation, you know, we were talking about some, I don't even remember what the lesson was, but I openly said, you know, I have dealt and deal with a struggle with pornography and I probably even said, you know, the, the word addiction because at that time I was in the 12 step groups and that sort of thing. But it was somewhat interesting to note that no one in that room was like, you're a terrible person. They didn't avoid me. Um, and, and I think if anything, they may have been embarrassed themselves. And for me, that was, you know, they were embarrassed for their own behavior that maybe they, they deal with this as well. But I, I can guarantee you that me saying something out loud was this, I think, a relief for most of the people in that room because they were like, wow, that is that it's good to know that someone else is dealing with this. So I think you got to practice open openness and be willing to trust people. That's the risk you're taking, right? You're going to take risk and you're going to open yourself up to people. And when you do, you know, I think you're going to find more likely that people are absolutely willing to love you not in spite of your problems but because of your problems all right last thing the third thing is understanding that you are enough you know when it comes to eliminating shame in your life the atonement has paid for everything that has been done every time we talk about this often in the church and we think you know i've heard parents say this to their children like you know, every time you sin, that hurts Jesus more. And that is really not how the atonement works. Like, it's paid for. It's done. He already knows what is going to need to be paid for, and it has been paid for. So if we can just accept the atonement as having paid for the, the show, paid for everything that needs to be paid for, and stop thinking, oh, every time I do a bad thing, I make it worse. And then freak out about how we can't go back and change the past and all of that. We stop thinking about it in those terms and we just understand I, I am enough. Heavenly Father has given me some grace here and the atonement has paid for what I have, I need. Now I can go back and I can focus on what I can do to change, right? What I can do to choose differently, what I can learn from this instead of thinking about how terrible a human I am. And I think as the spouse, this is the part where you have to realize that this is not about you. Your husband's struggle with pornography is not about you and that you are also enough. Yeah, you're enough in in the sense that it's you're not going to be able to change his behavior just because you want to change his behavior. And it's also you're not necessarily the person, you know, he's not doing this because you aren't pretty enough or kind enough or lovely enough or give enough sex or any of those things, right? Yeah. None of those are the reasons why that his behavior is about him and you are enough just as you are. And then you get to, you know, work on coming to that as a whole person. I love that. Each of these three things, understanding that you're enough, trusting in others and learning something from your mistakes these are i think fundamental baselines for eliminating shame broadly speaking and if you can take those baselines and in you know engage them in your everyday practice of who you want to be then you're going to you know be able to not only 
fix this problem, but begin to create the person that you want to be. Shape the person that you want to be in a way that, you know, absolutely accepts responsibility for your actions, exercises your agency, and helps you become, you know, better than than the person that you were yesterday, today. Yeah, and, and I think just remembering the idea that shame is never going to get you to the place that you want to be. Yeah. Because when you feel like I am bad, that's never going to get you to the result where you are choosing good. Yeah. Punching yourself in the eye is not going to help you see better. And that's, I think, basically what I think shame does for us. It's like, it's just like a big, huge punch in the eye. You're never going to see better because you've got a black eye. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. We love doing this podcast for you. We would really, really appreciate it if you would go on Apple.itunes and review the podcast. You can put your name as whatever you want. So you don't have to be like, hi, I'm John Smith, and I listen to this podcast about pornography. You don't have to do that. You can put your name down as whatever you want and review the podcast, and you then can tell others how amazing this work is and how they can move forward in their own lives. We'd really appreciate that. If you would help us do that, that would be an extraordinary kindness to us. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you. Sign up for a consult at zackspafford.com slash workwithme and you can set up some time for you or your spouse to meet with me or with Darcy, and we can help you get started on your self-mastery journey. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, how to overcome pornography with skills that actually work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.